relentless spirit. We went over that. And the question we asked was, how do you do that? I mean, we talk about these things, but how do you do that? How do you become a church that is so dynamic that it changes people's lives, that people will see what's happening, uh, not just on this property, but what Grace Chapel, if you will, is doing around the community and around the country and around the world, and it will change people's life. How do you become a church that, that, that creates that kind of excitement in people's hearts where they are drawn into a relationship with God? And last week, we said that there are four important steps that each one of us needs to remember. We talked about two of them last week, and I'm going to finish the last two this week. We said first, to build a dynamic church, we need to remember what God has done in the past. We need to remember what God has done in the past. It builds confidence in our future. We're thinking about all the things when God calls you to do something, when God calls you to a vision, it's encouraging. It builds confidence in your future and what you can do in the future if you remember the past and how God has worked in the past. That was number one. Number two, we said that a, a dynamic church uses the tools that God has given them now. We use the tools that God has given us right now. God doesn't want to, us to wait for a better time or until we have something else, something more. Boy, if we only had this or we only had that, once we have a larger this or once we have a larger that or once our congregation is larger or we're bringing in more resources, then we can, then we can. God's saying, don't wait for something else. Don't wait for a better time. If I've called you to do it, I want you to do it because there will always be something that is standing in your way of accomplishing what God has called you to do. There will always be something in your mind standing in your way. Well, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough education. I don't have enough experience. Or I don't have the right connection. We talked about this last week. We don't have this or I don't have that. So what? You use the tools that God has given you right now. So remember what God has done in the past and use the tools that God has given you right now. So number three, moving on to number three, to build a dynamic community, we need to ignore the dream killers. We need to ignore the dream killers. You need to ignore the dream killers in your life. Let me use David as an example. In 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6, it says, And David was greatly distressed. He had just returned from Gath, and their king says this to David. He says, you are good in my sight as an angel of God. With those, those praises ringing in David's ears, he, goes, he, he, he comes back, he comes back from, from Ziklag. He comes back, and, and he's expecting to then meet with his family and see his family, see his wife and his children. But instead, what he comes back to is a destroyed city. His ho the homes are, are gone. His family, his wife and his children are missing. The Amalekites had come while they were, where they were off and, and destroyed everything that meant anything to David and his men. House destroyed. City destroyed. Wife and all the wives and children were taken captive by the Amalekites. And, and you could just imagine how David was feeling in his heart, how overwhelmed he was. What a, what a horrible day for this, this godly man, the man chosen by God. 
And in, this, in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 4, it says this, Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. So you can imagine, maybe you've been there, where you've cried, where you just have no more tears to cry. You're so overwhelmed. It's broken. Your heart is broken in a million pieces. You know, you come home expecting you're on top of the world and you've heard these kind words and you walk into a situation you didn't expect. Your home is gone. Your city is gone. Your, the, your wives and children are, are taken captive by the enemy. And they had no more tears to weep. But then look at what happens. It says the people rose up in anger and there was, they were talk, talked about stoning David because, they, because of their overwhelming grief. See, they had come to the end of their rope. David was a part of this, but all of a sudden what happens, right? Something goes on and someone is to blame. So they're overwhelmed by their grief. They, they, they just feel like, you know, they have, nothing, they have nothing left. All hope is gone. They were swept up in, in despair. And they turned their attention to David. And David was in despair as well. He's going through all kinds of difficulties here. He was doing, here's the thing, he was doing what God had called him to do. He was not living a life of sin. He was not walking away from God. It's just the opposite. He was walking with God. The problem that David had, the struggle that David had is on the path with his walk with God. That path was leading through very difficult times and he was, he was confused and he was frustrated. So he wasn't, he wasn't walking away from God. He wasn't living a life of sin. This wasn't some kind of punishment on David. And you can just imagine how he's feeling. So what did he do? You're in this situation. You may be in this situation as well. You, 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 you don't feel like you're doing something that is deserving of what you're going through, if you will. Someone has done something to you. Someone has impacted your life. Someone may be close to you. These people close to David. Maybe someone close to you is, is discouraging you. So what did David do? Well, David did the same thing that he did when he faced Goliath and he had no one to back him. No one was backing him. Remember, David goes and faces Goliath. Did his parents, did his father back him? No. Did his brothers back him? No. Did anyone back him? No. So what does David do? It says this. It says he encouraged himself in the Lord. Again, in, in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, it says this also. When others were speaking against him, David encouraged himself in the Lord. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Do you ever do that? Do you ever find yourself in a difficult situation and you have to encourage yourself in the Lord? Have you ever encouraged yourself in the Lord? It's extremely important. This is extremely important. Something, it's something we have to understand and something we have to apply to our lives. Remember we talked uh, about knowing your, your core and, uh, and primary identity? We talked about understanding who you are. Because when you go through the difficulties of life, when you face the challenges of life, you have to know who you are. If we're going to go after our dreams, if we're going to fulfill God's purpose for our lives, if we're going to build a dynamic community, then we need to understand who we are. Remember last week, uh, Joseph got up last week and he gave a testimony. And he talked about buying a strip mall. He wanted to buy a strip mall and, and he, hopefully he did it this week. It was supposed to close this week. And he was talking about that and, and uh, all the things that he had a vision to do. And, and, and I, I just want to encourage him and I'm going to continue to encourage him because 
for David, for, for Joseph to continue down the road that God has called him to, and for him to actually build that restaurant and the vision he has for that restaurant to be a business street and to reach out to the poor and people who can't afford to go out and eat, all the things that he has a dream, all the dreams that he has, all the vision that he has to accomplish that, he better understand that there will be times where he needs to encourage himself in the Lord. He needs to encourage himself in the Lord because it's going to get hard. The road is going to be rough. There are times where he's going to feel alone. And just like Joseph talked about his dream last week and the vision that God has for him, there are times in our lives as a church, as in your life as an individual, that you'll be called to do something by God. And you think that everyone's going to rally around you, but they don't. And it's why so many people fail in life at what God has called them to do. Because when the rough road comes and everybody's pointing the finger at you and they're saying, whose idea was this anyway? It's at that time that you have to encourage yourself in the Lord because no one else is going to encourage you. There's no one else. Even the people closest to you look at you sometimes and say, why did you lead us down this road? Why did you choose to do this? You have to look beyond that, and you have to encourage yourself in the Lord. You, know, you need to recall your, your true identity, that you have been adopted, that you have been redeemed, that you have been sealed, that you are a child of God, that you belong to him, that he's called you to do this. It's at those times where you've got to go back and remember who you are and encourage yourself in the Lord. You need to remember what Pastor Kevin said two weeks ago when he handed out those bookmarks and listed all those things. I want to encourage you. I hope you're doing what he asks you to do and going through one every week to remind yourself of who you are. You're going to need to do that because there will be times in your life, on your path, when even when things look like they're running so smoothly, where there are bumps in the road, and I mean big bumps like mountains in the road, and you're going to have to encourage yourself in the Lord. you got to remember that he has given you those gifts. We talked about that. Those gifts, those talents, those abilities, you got to sometimes rely on the Lord in yourself and what God has called you to do and believe that he's called you to do it. you got to remember he's given you that ox goad. Remember Shamgar, that, that, that farmer, talked about it last week, where all he had to fight 600 Philistines was an ox goad. He used the tool of his trade. You need to remember that and use the tool of your trade and encourage yourself in the Lord that God is with you, that he will help you regardless of the the, the mounting opposition. Here's the point. You will never fulfill the dream in your heart. We will never, we as a church, that's really what we're talking about, bringing all of our individual gifts, talents, and abilities together. We will never fulfill the dream that God has placed in our hearts if we can't see past the opposition. And, here, and here's the thing. As I was studying it this week, here's something that came to my mind. This is just true, and I, I talked about it a little bit a minute ago. You know, we think about the opposition. We think about the enemy. Well, yeah, the opposition is the enemy sometimes. Sometimes it's not the enemy. Sometimes it's the people around you who just kind of give up on you. You know, they, you've had this in your heart, and they, maybe, they, maybe some of the people around you, maybe you're in this situation now that they've kind of given up on you. That, that's, a, that's a high road to, that's a hard road to walk. 
Maybe it's, maybe it's your family, and maybe they've, in a sense, some ways given up on you. And sometimes you have to, in and of yourself, in your own heart, where God has put that in your heart, you don't get upset at those folks. You don't get upset at those people who are close to you. Maybe they've given up a little bit. You just have to see beyond it. You have to see beyond the present and the challenges you're facing right now. Because we're just human. And sometimes, you remember Job and all that he went through and all his buddies came to talk to him? You know, and what they were saying sounded, didn't it sound pretty good? It sounded kind of right, completely wrong. Job had to see beyond the opposition. He had to see beyond the words. And he had to encourage himself in the Lord. David had to encourage himself in the Lord. It's okay to feel the pain, but you need to see past it. And that's where, that's where sometimes people are separated, where those who give up and those who keep moving forward. You need to feel the pain that you're going through, but you need to see past it. This is, very, this is, this is a very difficult thing to do, and, and it's, it's more difficult than having just a, a positive mental attitude. You know how you, you go with these things sometimes, you read these books, or you, you go to these seminars, or you watch television, they tell you, you just need to have a positive mental attitude. This is way, what I'm talking about here, because you're thinking, yeah, this, that, I know what you're saying. Just have a positive mental attitude. This is way beyond a positive mental attitude. When, when, when you encourage yourself in the Lord, it is a deep, steadfast trust in God's, in God's grace, in God's provision, in God's strength, in God's goodness, in God's power. It's beyond just, you know, having good, happy thoughts and just kind of, you know, I'll just, if I just think about it positively, you're trusting in God. It's beyond just thinking positively. This is a deep and abiding trust in who God is. Because when, when you face the pushback of the enemy, it's going to take more than just a, a good pep talk from someone or from some self-help book. It's going to take more than that. That's what the world, all the world has sometimes. It's like, you know, they, 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 they have these, these little pep talks that kind of keep you going and these self-help and you read and you read and you read and you watch and you listen to tapes or whatever the case may be in order to fire you up. It's, it's more than that. When you are going to go after fulfilling the dream that God has placed on our hearts, the vision that God has given us, together we come together and you bring your piece of, of, of that puzzle to the table, it will take more than a good pep talk when, the, when, you're, facing, when, you're, when you're facing the pushback of the enemy. It's all, it's all fun and games, okay, when things are going smooth. But when the pushback comes, it takes more than just a pep talk. You need to trust in your God because all the positive thinking in the world will be worth bupkis. Okay, look it up in a dictionary. Bupkis, okay? All the positive thinking is worth bupkis. It doesn't matter. It's not going to count. You know, the sun will come out tomorrow. Think of, you know, think of the happiest thoughts, okay? That is all worthless when you're facing, when you're facing your deepest fears, okay? That's what the enemy will do. They'll bring up the past and your fears, those things, the times that you failed or whatever the case may be, those whispers in your ear that you will not be able to accomplish this. And so, you know, thinking the happiest thoughts are no match for your deepest fears. 
The sun will come out tomorrow is no match for your biggest challenges. We need to, we need to, 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 to become a dynamic community. And if, we, and if we want to become a dynamic community, we need, we need to overcome the, the roadblocks that will be put in our way. We need to overcome the obstacles. We need to plow forward in the face of intense opposition. Even there, you know, there's always things in your life that are going to make you afraid, that are going to stand in your way. And every single one of us have them. I don't care who you are or what you say. You may have learned to work around some of those things, some of those weaknesses and those fears, some of the things that go on in your past, some of those things that go on in your mind all the time to kind of remind you of what you used to be or some of those areas where you failed. We're all going to face those, but each one of us, needs to be willing to plow forward and overcome with intense opposition, overcome those obstacles. Because there's so much more at the end waiting for us. I was, I was sitting with someone this week, and they were telling me a story from Nigeria, one of the leaders in Nigeria. We sat down for lunch, and, and he was telling me about this village in Nigeria where we had drilled a deep borehole, a borehole, like a well. It's a deep well beautiful fresh water comes out and and uh, it had changed their entire community people had stopped getting sick i mean every year people would die from waterborne diseases and 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 they and they just you know it was it impacted their life in such a miraculous way well self-sustaining enterprises has this this water summit that we do every single year and the water summit was put on the date and a couple of days before the water summit there was a bombing in jos in the city of nigeria that where we where we serve and so the chief came together, and he, he didn't want to just say, hey, yeah, you two guys go to the water summit. You know, everything happens. That's your tough luck. And so what he did was he got the whole entire village, if you will, the whole community, if you will, together. And they voted. And he asked them, do you think we should go? Should we go to the water summit? And the people in the village said, if, if Joss was on fire, quote, and self-sustaining enterprises was having a water summit, we should go. We will go. We will go. Regardless of the opposition, we will go. And so the chief said, okay, that's, that's great. That's good. I'm excited about that. But he didn't want to just send. Still, okay, everyone agrees we go, so you four go. He said, well, you know, how about we get volunteers to go? Because, again, you know, it's been quiet for a few days now, but I, I want to get volunteers. And the person relaying the story Talked about how many people raised their hands. But here's what he said. He said, every teenager in the village raised their hand to go. Every single one of those students, every single teenager raised their hand that they wanted to go. They would not be stopped by the opposition. Nothing was going to stop them from doing what they feel, felt called to do. This was something, this, this whole water project idea and the idea of, of reaching out and impacting the lives of people, saving people's lives. Every single one of them raised their hand. We need to push forward in the face of opposition. There's always going to be some reason why we stop. There's always going to be a reason why you can't do it. Well, when God calls us to do something, we need to stand together as the body of Christ and move forward past the opposition. We need to see past it. We need to push past it. We need to see the future of what God has called us to and then plow anything out of our way that stands in the way of us accomplishing what God has for our lives. Number four. 
to build a dynamic community, we need to be willing to move when God is ready to move. Do you hear that? To build a dynamic community. I'm not talking about a church. People come in, they sit there, sing a couple songs, they leave. I did my thing. I made it. I went. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about building a dynamic church. If we want to build a dynamic church, then we need to be willing to move when God is ready to move. It's what Obed-Edom did. Remember Obed-Edom? Talked about him about a year ago. Obed-Edom, one of my favorite characters in the Bible. It's what he did. Okay, and if we are going to go after our dream, if we want to build a dynamic community, then we need to follow his lead. We need to follow his lead. We first hear about Obed-Edom because this is this is we're talking about faith here. Okay, we're talking about the faith factor. And when you first hear about Obed-Edom, it's when Uzzah reaches out to 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 keep the ark of God from from you know from falling a little bit, and he reaches out and touches it, and he's killed. Okay. Now, there's a much larger story about why he was killed when he reached out, because God had specific commands on how to do things. And David thought, you know, let's throw him on the back of a wagon with some, with some, you know, some, uh, some cattle or whatever, and we'll ox him where we'll pull it that way. That's not the way it was supposed to be done. So there's a longer story involved. Uzzah reaches out. So it's in the context of that that we hear about Obed-Edom. So he reaches out. He's killed. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's time out here. Let's rethink this. Where are we going to put the ark? And they take it to Obed-Edom's house. Now, this guy had to be a man of faith, right? Because who's going to let that come? Who's going to let the ark come into their house after that had just happened? This was in when David, this was David's first attempt to bring the ark into Jerusalem. And then this happens. And so you've got to ask yourself, you know, they're bringing the ark of the covenant, they're bringing the ark of God into Obed-Edom's house. And who's going to let that happen unless you have intense faith, unless you're a man of God? So the ark remains in Obed-Edom's house. They bring it in. It remains in Obed-Edom's house for three months, Right? Remains there for three months. And the Lord just absolutely, if you read this, if you look up Obed-Edom and look at all the different references to Obed-Edom in the Old Testament, the Lord just begins to bless his life and, and, his, and his household and everything, everything he does. He just gets blessed in everything he does. So when it came time to move the ark to Jerusalem again, okay, this time the right way, get, you know, Levite, get them all, do it all the right way. When it comes to time to do it again, Obed-Edom has a choice, okay? It's in his house for three months. He's in the presence of God. He is learning so much about the Lord. He, God is blessing him, and he's growing in his relationship. He's got an intimate relationship with God. He's walking. He's moving with God. And all of a sudden, they're going to take the ark out of his house and bring it to Jerusalem. And Obed-Edom has to make a choice. Now, he could have stayed, okay, where he was and kind of lived off, if you will, which a lot of, I'll just say a lot of Christians do. You know, they have these experiences early on in their Christian life. And, you know, they get to know the Lord. And then they kind of wane off and just kind of mull through life a little bit. You know, they go to church, whatever else. And so he could have lived off his relationship with God and the many blessings he had in the past. Or move with the ark, staying in the presence of God and strengthening his relationship with God. Those were his two choices. Live off the past relationship that you had and remember all the good times or say, you know what? This is incredible. I love my God with all my heart. God is moving. I'm moving with him. Obed-Edom chose to move with God. 
He didn't, he didn't care what he had to do. He was going to be in the presence of, of God. He became the doorkeeper of the ark. He became a musician. He became the gatekeeper. Whatever he had to do to stay in close proximity, to stay in close relationship with God, that's what he did. Because, because of his desire and his faithfulness to God and his love for the Lord, God blessed him even more. He becomes a worship leader, which is a big deal. So God keeps moving him up and moving him along because he's moving with God. And see... He's moving with God, and so God keeps developing his life, and he gets stronger and more dynamic. And God keeps blessing him and blessing him, and he not only gets blessed, he's, he not only in his family and his household get blessed, his entire family is blessed. God gives him eight sons, and those eight sons are strong men. He had grandsons, and not only did he have them, but they all worshipped and they all served God, and they were blessed. The Bible goes on to say that they were all leaders. It says they were capable men. It says with str- they had the strength to do the work. These were strong, capable people with strength to do the work. And there were 62 of them in all. So you're talking about all these sons and grandsons. I'm sure lots of granddaughters. And these, these, these sons and grandsons had strength to do the work. They were capable. They were leaders. And God had blessed them. I'm going to tell you something, Obed-Edom moved with God, and he was blessed in every way possible. He moved, when God moved, he moved. Wherever God was, he was. Wherever God is, that's where we need to be. Wherever God is moving, that's where we need to go. That's what Obed-Edom does. does. So what is, really, think about what does the story teach us? What does the story of Obed-Edom it teach us? It teaches us if we want to live a dynamic life, if we ha- want to have a dynamic church, if we want to fulfill all that God has for us individually or as a church, we need to move with God. We need to follow his example, and when God moves, we need to move. You know, I'll tell you what. Christians love, and I'm not picking on all, and just, well, I am, so I, mean, I am. I'll just tell you I am up front. <laughs> People, I love Christians, they talk about, I'll walk with God, I'm going to walk with God. You ever talk, I'm walking with the Lord, I'm going to walk with the Lord. You're going to walk with the Lord, right? We're all going to walk with the Lord. We have this lingo that we use all the time, walk with God, I'm going to walk alongside the Lord. You know what, if you're going to walk with Jesus Christ, you're going to walk with the Lord, he's moving. Jesus Christ isn't standing still, he's always progressing. He's always, he wants us to follow him, come and follow me. Come and follow me. Do you want to go deep? Do you want to be, you want to go real deep? Okay. Do you want to, you want to, you want to really know Christ? Do you want to live a dynamic Christian life and grow in your relationship with Christ and, and live out your purpose and the meaning of life and all those other, have peace and joy and contentment in your life. You want all of those things. I'll tell you how to get it. When Jesus moves, you move with him. When God moves, you move with him. You don't stand still. You don't stay. Amen. You can clap. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because this is truth. You don't just stand if you're standing or you're sitting or whatever, and you're and you're not going to grow in your relationship with Christ. And what I've noticed all of my life are those people who are on fire in the beginning. Once they sit down and stop moving, they don't stay where they are. Where do they go? Backward. You're either walking with him or sliding backward. You're never standing still. So if you say, I want to walk with God, I want to 
I want to walk with the Lord. And you better really have your feet moving because Jesus is always moving forward. Jesus is always moving, teaching us, encouraging us, challenging us. And you know where it ultimately leads? to the, There was a, usually a cross back here somewhere. There's a cross over there. <laughs> it leads to the cross. It leads to the cross, to sacrifice. It leads to boldness. It leads to challenging yourself. And always asking, Lord, what else do you want me to do? How can I be more like you? Obed-Edom moved with God. And he was, given, he was given more than he could ever dream of. You see, as Christians, we need to move with God. And we need to believe that God can do more than we can ever ask or imagine. We need to have the kind of faith of Obed-Edom. We need to have the kind of faith of Shamgar and of David. We need to have that kind of faith to move with God. That needs to be us. We need to walk with Christ. We need to move with God. We need to believe and expect that God is going to do great things in our lives and in our church. We need to believe that. You see, I, think, I, I really believe that people go through the ups and downs and struggles and they kind of get in a rut. We get in like the wagon reels. You ever watch those, those old cowboy movies and the, the wagon wheels are kind of in a rut? You know, it's rained and after a while they just follow that rut. They go along in that rut. We can't be in a rut. A rut means mediocrity. A rut means standing still. A rut means doing the same old, same old, and God is not doing the same old, same old. And we step back and go, why isn't God moving in my life? Why isn't God doing great things in my life? Why am I not seeing miracles in my life? Because you're not walking with Christ, because you're not moving with God, because you're not expecting him to do incredible things in your life, because you're not anticipating that God's going to do something amazing in your life, because you come to church with no expectations of what's going to happen on Sunday morning and what God's going to say to you, how God's going to move in your life. We need to come like the disciples with expectations of what God is going to do. I've been expecting miracles in this church, and I've been seeing miracles in this church. I come on Sunday mornings expecting God to do something awesome. And you may say, well, I don't know. What did he do awesome last week? Well, you know what? I, I see Joseph, and I saw other people swarming around him. The reason I had Joseph come up here last week, I said that when we as individuals use the gifts and the talents and the abilities that God has given us, when we express our, our vision and the dream that God has put on our hearts, it energizes the rest of the body. I know that to be true. I know that to be true. And I knew if I got him up here to speak to you, there'd be some people out here who would say, I've always dreamed of doing that. I've always had a vision of doing that. People said to me last week, you know, I've worked in restaurants. I've built the restaurants from the ground up. I've been a chef. I've been this. And I've always wanted to get involved in something like that. And there were tons of people. I left the church before Joseph last week. I waved. I waved him. Hey, have a good time. As they were standing around talking to people. I'm always the last one out except for Phil. Right? But he was standing here talking to people who were energized by what God was doing in his life because they wanted to see that in their lives as well. See, when God moves from heaven and he moves on this earth and does miracles, it's because someone believed. It's because someone had faith and they believed. The Bible says, according to their faith, it will be done unto them. According to their faith, the just shall live by faith. 
Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We need to have faith. I know you've been through hard times. I know you've struggled in the past. I know you've asked for things and you've done this and you feel like, wow, I know I've, I've been through all. And so your faith is waning or you're feeling like, you know, it's just not there. You need to see past this time, maybe this desert experience in your life. You need to see past what God is allowing you to go through. You need to see past what, what God is 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 bringing about in your life because sometimes I'm this is me okay I think I'm ready to do it right now and God gives me a vision I'm walking say Lord I mean this has been like five years how much more do I need to learn two or three more years of it maybe but then I'm prepared to do what God has called me to do and I I had the ability God has given me the ability it's difficult to do sometimes to keep looking past where I am right now, knowing if I just, if I'm obedient and I do what I'm told and I follow after him and I move where he moves and I remember what he's done in the past and I just use the skills that God has given me and the tools that he's given me and I reach out and use other people's skills and tools and abilities, then we will accomplish it. It will be accomplished if we have a relentless spirit, if we have relentless passions. God will accomplish it. See, how much God does in your life often depends on how much you trust him and how much you're willing to follow him. How much you trust him. How much are you willing to follow him? See, you don't have to be the smartest and you don't have to be the best looking and you don't have to be the wealthiest person in the room or in life to fulfill your purpose. You just need to stay close to Jesus Christ. When he moves, you move. You listen to him. You're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You sit quietly and listen to, to God speaking to your heart. You sit quietly and read the word of God and say, God, speak to me through your word. You stay close to him. We as a church, we as a church have a choice to trust him. As a church, not just as individuals. We have a choice to trust him. We have a choice to follow him. That's our choice. We need to make the right choice. See, here's the thing. God wants to unleash his power. God wants to unleash his power on the church. And he's looking for a community of people who are just going to believe that they can be dynamic. And as long as I have breath and I'm standing up here and I'm your pastor, I'm going to keep preaching this way. I'm never going to give up on anyone. I'm going to keep pushing forward because I really believe that God is looking for people in this world. As crummy as it gets, as much negativity as we hear, as all the statistics will tell us, I say we look past all those things and we become the dynamic church that God has called us to be. God is looking. I think Grace Chapel should be one of the churches who believes they can be dynamic we have in the past and i see so much more for our future i believe so much more in our future than in the past and we've done so much already and we haven't done it because someone left us five million dollars and look how much money we have to do of course we can accomplish it because someone passed and they left five million dollars we have done it sometimes on a shoestring we have done it week to week sometimes we have done with what we have and we've accomplished great things in god and god receives the glory for that god receives the glory we need to believe with all of our hearts that individually we need to know who we are and then collectively we need to believe that we can be a dynamic church listen we we were not created by god 
and put on this earth and put in this church to be mediocre, to pass time because it's time to go to church, or to, lo- to learn some good moral lessons. Your children don't come to church to pass time and to learn some good moral lessons. You're going to learn good moral lessons. That's not why we're here. We're going to learn those things, but that's not why God has placed us together. That's not why God has put us here together at this time. We have come together in this time in history, not just to see a miracle, but to be a miracle. God has put us together, us together as a church Not just to want to see a miracle, but want to be a miracle. I want to be. Have you ever thought to yourself when you're reading the Bible, gosh, I want to walk across the water. I want to pass through the sea. I want to face the lions. I I want to experience those things. I want to experience them. I just don't want to hear about them. I I don't just personally, I just don't want us to see miracles. I want us to be miracles. I want people to see our lives and see what we've done as a church and scratch their heads and wonder how on earth were they able to accomplish that. And the only answer they can come to was not look how phenomenally great they are, but look how phenomenally great their God is because they believed in him. They believe in they they believe in their God. And my friends, if we remember what God has done for us in the past, if we remember that, if we will use the tools that God has given us now, if we will ignore the dream killers of our lives, and if we will move with God when God moves, if we will move with him, if we will walk with Jesus Christ and move with God when God moves, we will be a community that changes lives, and we will be a miracle. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time that we can spend together. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. And God, in this season of Christmas, we, we're thinking about you a lot. We're thinking about what you've done. And God, I just pray. I just pray that we will leave here this morning, that we will leave here charged in our hearts and in our minds, knowing who you are and who you've created us to be, not shrinking back from what you called us to do, but moving with you when you call us to move. And regardless of what obstacles are standing in our way, dear God, I pray, whether they're financial obstacles, whether, whatever they are, Lord God, that you would, with your power, help us to see past them, help us to overcome them, help us to push through them, and become the dynamic church that you've created us to be. And God, this morning, I pray this for every other church in our community for the Vineyard and for Crossroads and for Hope Church and for Montgomery Church and, and for, the, for, for Christ Church at Mason and all the churches, Lord, that are around here, all the larger and the smaller churches, the Baptist Church down the street. God, I pray that every single church in our community, there are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. I pray, dear God, the same blessing on them. I, say, I pray the same dynamic heart in them. I pray that together as the body of Christ, we would focus on the enemy and just crush him with your power. We pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Have a dynamic week.